the creative that we deliver is actually one of the best levers right now for organizations to improve their ad performance. A simple minor change like that to one single scene can have hundreds of thousands of dollars of impact to a bottom line for an organization. That's significant. Hello, and welcome to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rogers-Smith, and today we're going to be digging into the topic about creative. According to one study, 75% of campaign performance is really attributed to the quality of that creative. And as you've heard on this podcast in numerous episodes before, the declining, the shift in the industry and the declining online signals from the deprecation of cookies and even the increases in privacy regulation, it's becoming more crucial for advertisers to really maximize the impact of their campaigns through how they think about their creative. So today we're going to be digging into the topic and really looking at how things have shifted when it comes to creative use to be considered an art more than a science, but some exciting things have been happening in this space around creative AI. And there are platforms out there which automate the creative campaign performance analytics and really can give advertisers insights that can help them maximize how their creatives perform today and and is going forward as well. So to join me on this topic, I've got, we've joined by two very special guests. We have Julian Decoe, a director of partner management here at Meta, and also Julie Holmes, a product marketing manager from Spirable. So I'd love for you both just to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. So to start with, Julian, tell us a bit what about, tell us a little bit about what you do here at Meta. So I've been at Meta five years, always working with partners and developers. In my current job, I look after basically a, a vast uh, ecosystem of partners that sit between our platforms and our clients. And those partners work in many areas along the value chain of advertising, creative being a, a central one, but we also work with other ad tech companies. We work with commerce companies, et cetera, et cetera. So that's mostly what I do. And I'm based in the UK. My team is all across EMEA. Thank you. And welcome to today's podcast. And Julie, it's extra special to have you here as well, because you're not from Meta. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and Inspirable as well, please. Hello, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It's um, great to be here. My name is Julie Holmes, and I am a, a tech person at heart. So while I love ad tech, the tech side gets me extra excited, because I think it's the technology side of creative that really drives that's going to drive marketing forward in the next kind of 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So it's very exciting. Spirable is a software company. We are very happily owned by Genius Sports. And as such, our technology allows us to bring incredible data-driven creative to companies large and small so that they can create the most compelling and most engaging ads and content in order to build their brand and connect with their audiences. Excellent. It's great to have you here today to join us in the conversation about creative AI, as it's been a very hot topic in the industry of late. And I'd love to know, just to start with, just to frame the conversation, for those that maybe have heard the the, the, the term, but are not necessarily aware about what it is or what it means, can you share a little bit about how you think about creative AI and how you've been able to use AI in, in your creative products? Creative intelligence is a really interesting development, particularly when it comes to the creative space. We've often heard historically about AI and how technology can help guide us and help make great decisions and all of that. And now it's being applied to creative, which is 
brilliant. So when we think about the creative intelligence solution, for example, that Spireball offers, it's really around helping organizations and creators and designers, especially to be able to understand their creative in a way they never could before. Basically, if we were to break it down, historically, you would say that even the best creators are probably guessing. They're guessing based on their training, guessing based on their expertise, guessing based on experience, but still they're doing a little bit of guessing. And now what creative intelligence allows them to do is to take their creative expertise and experience and marry that up with data and technology so that they can really hone and focus how they build their creatives to make it more powerful and more engaging the very first time around. In short, creative intelligence helps take the guesswork out of creative design. Yeah, and if I may say just one thing is, if there's one thing we've seen across our clients in the last few years is that when I took that job three years ago, basically the my team had creative people on one end and then tech people on the other, for the most part, they came from different backgrounds for the most part. If you look at the world today, and the best employees in Julie's team and in our competitors' team, they're really in between. It's super interesting. And more and more, they're tech people, they're creative people, but they're also data scientists to some extent. And seeing the blurring of those lines happen before our eyes around the world, and specifically in EMEA, is super exciting. And I think we'll touch more on what it means for the industry, but, but that's really inspiring to see. I think that's a great point, Julian, about the this merge that's happening between kind of the creative and the technology. If you just look at the people who are coming into the workforce now, they are naturally more technologically savvy than a creator was, than a creative was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're understanding data in brand new ways, and they're being challenged to create in new ways. And of course, also to be create in more volume. So that's a whole nother challenge, which we can add to our conversations. When it comes to the creative intelligence piece, what we're really looking at from a Spireball perspective, for example, is about attention and engagement. What is it about a video, for example, that makes it more engaging, more attention driving, more willing to generate an action or a response? So it's about understanding at its visceral level, at its most detailed level, not only how does it make me feel, but how does the data and how, if I look at everything that everybody sees in the world around me, what does that tell me about this content and how I can improve it? And so from that, what have been some of the things that you've been surprised by? Obviously, you've said that you've been taking the guesswork out of creative. And with guesswork comes generally assumptions about what does work and what doesn't work. And I assume once you apply data on top of that, you can actually get some answers to those assumptions and questions that historically might have actually been proven to be incorrect. So I'm just curious, did you find anything that you didn't expect or actually quite surprised by when you were able to start gathering this understanding about creative in a new way? For sure. I know when when we think about what it is that drives attention, we each have our own our own goggles on when it comes to what we think is interesting or what we think is engaging. And we apply those biases to our creatives. We can't help it. It's the same as when we communicate or when we interact with other people. We try to treat others as we would want to be treated or as we would want to see it. And that may or may not be true of our audience. When we look at something like... Um, for example, we did a campaign and a creative intelligence analysis with a grocery store chain, Aldi. And when we looked at their ads, 
we looked at it and went, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good ad. Even from a creative perspective, oh, it's a good ad. That's not bad. But when we took it through creative intelligence and we analyzed it farther, there was a, a scene in the ad where it had a cart full of products. And I was like, oh, that's, that's gorgeous. Like, that's really engaging. Look at all that cool stuff on the screen. And really what we saw when we ran it through creative intelligence was that the viewer was just overwhelmed. They were just like, I have no idea what's happening here. I don't know what I'm supposed to focus on. And by leveraging that creative intelligence, we were able to simplify that image. And by simplifying that one graphic on that one screen, we were able to improve the performance of that ad for the client. That ad was improved something like 7.8% click-through rate. It's a significant number for a change, something so small as that. So I think what surprises me personally is that first, it's the, the line between I think this looks amazing and this is going to perform well is surprisingly blurry. <laughs> and not only that, but the creative that we deliver is actually one of the best levers right now for organizations to improve their ad performance. But a simple minor change like that to one single scene can have thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars of impact to a bottom line for an organization. That's significant. And I think also if you think about this at an at industry level, Jordan, what's fascinating is that just if you think about other products that you, know, you take to markets or to businesses, the cycle through which you think of one, you design it, you launch, and then you iterate on it used to be actually very pricey in advertising. If you think about the cost of running a whole campaign to get feedback and then improve it, it was really expensive. So for the most part, people did not even try to do this. Well, now tools like Aspirables allow marketers to do this at an incredible scale. And they can decide to fine-tune a campaign, which is an idea of a story to be told, but that from the idea of the story being told to the actual story being delivered, understood, and remembered, there's all those tiny details which technology allows you to actually optimize and fine-tune which means better efficiency, saving money, because there's a lot of waste in, in terms of performance. And actually, simply put, telling the right story at the right time to the right person more often than not, which I think is the very essence of, of advertising done well. So One of the things that Meta has done very well, and, and one of the reasons it's, it's one of the dominant mobile advertising platforms, is, it, is because it has been able to find that, that right combination of right ad, right person at right time. And I'm curious as how something like creative intelligence or being able to learn more about creative fits into those processes of today and how something like this can be either inserted into an existing workflow that people may have where they think about how they tailor their creative to their audience or their messaging to various groups and, and how it can support in that. Or if it's something that has to be thought of separately or because it's a brand new approach, does it have to be a brand new approach to how they think about including it in their marketing? My observation, looking at a lot of clients and a lot of companies doing good work there, I would say there's a shift that's pretty fundamental, which is this idea of flipping the switch, where flipping the script, where back in the days you would think this is my product, this is my audience, this is my creative launch and then assess. And in some ways, Someone told me once, everyone buys Coke. We just buy it for different reasons. Some people buy Coke because they're, they exercise. Some buy Coke because they don't want to drink alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the power of creative insights at scale allows you to put the right product in front of everyone using very different ways of saying different stories that were resonant. So 
to me, there's, there's something pretty fundamental in the, the humility of the creators in saying, I want my story to be told, but there are many ways to say it. I'm going to let technology help me say it the right way. So there's one element which is, which is pretty fundamental, almost at, at a brief level, where you can change a little bit the way you go about things and saying, in the case of Aldi, maybe I just want to convey price and convenience, but do I show one product or 300? I don't know. And, and technology will help me figure this out. All the way to in your workflows, changing a lot of things. For example, being able to insert way more creators so that machines have more time to optimize and tell you which ones are working. Changing your audience set so that you have more images to more people and more possible combination to tell you which ones are working. Potentially even stretching the, the way you conceive your audience because as I said, everyone buys Coke, you just don't know why. So maybe you can go after audiences you didn't know were right for that product and discover actually that they are in the article for you to target. Both, I think both a pretty philosophical change, but also a pretty practical one in the way campaigns are designed and, and, and built. I would say, what would you say, Julie? Do you agree with that? I think in addition to what you've just said, which is all incredibly true, I think the other one is about scale. In terms of the workflow, one of the huge benefits of creative intelligence, particularly the way we've tried to create it, and I think others as well, is that it flows neatly into the process. One thing we hear over and over from creative teams is that they are just overwhelmed by work. They're desperate to try and create more creatives. They're desperate to try and turn around work faster. The demands are increasing, but they're not necessarily getting more headcount. And again, even depending on what kind of resources are coming into the teams, some have more experience than others. So this idea that creative intelligence can actually be, can democratize this creation process and can allow everybody to have access to insights that they didn't have before so that they can more quickly create more powerful, better performing ads the first time around. And yes, to create more ads for testing, but imagine instead of creating an A, B, C, D, E, F, and G ad for testing, you could isolate from those six or seven ads, these are the three best ads. So I'm going to put more money behind these ads for testing, and I'm going to really capitalize on that. So it's being able to leverage it all throughout the entire journey to be able to create better ads to test, to then take even those tested ads and see, can we tweak those even more to make them better? How do I make the best performing ads the first time around so that I can get the best results with the least amount of effort. That's the story of creative intelligence and what it enables organizations to do. And I think from our perspective, Jordan, at Meta, we care about democratizing marketing. And to me, that's an incredible example of something that, which used to be only accessible to very large brands with very large budgets, which technology is now enabling a small shop online with a few thousand dollars of marketing budget to actually use the same way as Coke and Pepsi. That's also exciting in letting anyone compete for, for the attention of their potential buyers on a pretty equal footing. There's another angle to this too, if we want to stretch it just a little bit farther, and that's about how this technology gets applied in the creative process. So at Spireable, for example, we have a template builder. And in that template builder, which encompasses creative intelligence, it also means that we can have multiple people from disparate areas of the business participating in the creative design process. Yes, we have creatives who are building um, beautiful videos and ads, but for things that perhaps don't require creative expertise, like perhaps a change of wording rather than an entire change of design, that can be done by the media team. 
So the ability to, to spread out that workload is also going to enable organizations to really take value from this injection of technology in the creative process. So that was going to be one of my sort of follow-up questions on this, which was, this all sounds great, but this might sound very daunting to someone who has, as you say, a small team or a very small um, budget to be able to test and experiment with things in, in this space. So I was curious, what would you say to someone who's sat here thinking, this sounds great, but this doesn't feel like it can fit in my workflow? Like, how would you try and get them to think about the importance of creative intelligence and how it can actually be part of what they would be able to do with what they have today? It's a great question, Jordan. It's easy to hear words like AI or creative intelligence and think, oh, that sounds a bit overwhelming. I'm going to give that a pass. But I think what's really cool, and hopefully people are experiencing more and more types of AI technology, is that the usability of it is actually unbelievable. For example, let's just say that I had a video and I wanted to run it through a creative analysis, a creative intelligence analysis. All I have to do is put in a video link and it will analyze that video for me. And the way that it works for us, at least, is that when I look at a video, for example, it generates almost like a bar chart or a line chart where I can see where attention is highest and lowest during the course of a video. Now, it's pretty easy for any creative to look at that and go, wow, attention seems to drop right here. Why is that? And when we look at things like attention, it's actually made up of multiple stimuli. All of that is being broken down super easy in the form of charts and dashboards so that somebody can look at it and go, you know what it is? It's because I have no motion at that point or memorability went down at that point or focus dropped at that point. So not only am I using creative intelligence to go, yep, there seems to be a potential opportunity for improvement right here. Creative intelligence takes it a step farther and says, here's how. Now, in terms of organizations that are thinking, gosh, I don't know if I could apply that. It's so easy. It's this opportunity to take any piece of information and just run it through a, an analyzer and say, that's what you should be doing right now. It's actually easier than almost any other type of review they might ever do, <laughs> like a review with a client, for example. And again, instead of guessing, which is what normally happens, I feel like there might be a bit of a, a dip right here. I'll tell you what creatives love. Creatives love that creative intelligence helps them to validate what they already know and believe. So they might feel like there's a dip, but now creative intelligence will actually help them to see that dip. And that's going to save them a lot of time and simplify a lot of conversations. I think it's quite the opposite of, I, mean, I agree, it, looks, it, it might look a little bit daunting from a slide or a presentation or a podcast you would listen to. The actual usage is remarkably simple. And also the connection to, from usage to action is very straightforward. So as, as Julia was saying, going from seeing performance from your creative to uh, what's really interesting, which is actually the wise attention dropping here. Is it the color? Is it the message? Is it the, the way the story holds at that point? Which go back, goes back to actually storytelling. Like the, the storyteller goes back to what, what is actually not exactly working the way I want to, the way I tell my story. And you go back to the craft of the words and the image and the video and the car and all those things. And technology does their work so that basically creative people can do theirs better and faster and more economically. Some of the insights that you called out there about understanding like what's going on, understanding that there's less focus in this bit or there needs to be more motion in that bit of a video. What is it that you're seeing 
the most advanced clients are doing differently either with this information or differently in general from others and and how they're using it to to stay ahead of the game in a sense. For our clients, Jordan, I think one of the big things that they're doing is they are embracing it as part of their workflow. So there are some clients, of course, who are just dipping their toes in and they're after the fact looking at videos and looking at their ads and, and analyzing performance after the fact. Our best and the clients that are the most advanced are actually leveraging this technology as part of their design process. So I mentioned earlier that, for example, with Spireable, you can actually run creative intelligence as you design. So for them, they're actually building out an, a, a video, for example. They're looking at the creative intelligence analysis of that going, oh, actually, we need more motion right here. Before they've ever produced that video, now they're going back in and making adjustments to the design during the process. And then from there, they're just continually iterating around that. So same thing with being cre creating more ads for testing and being able to do more A-B tests, for example, and more multi-placement ads. And being able to truly leverage this technology throughout the entire journey is so much faster for them. So they're looking at this going, you know what, more in, I'm all in. They're going all in and they're embracing not only creative intelligence, but also that creative is such a lever for their performance. I completely agree. And even at a I would say at an industry level, what, we, what we're seeing, and we're certainly encouraging you know, all of our clients to do, our, our combined clients to do so, is in our view, creative intelligence is going to become table stake pretty quickly. And partly because smaller companies, smaller advertisers are going, to use, are going to use it and become really good at it and gain sort of velocity in, in the way their creative process works. We're trying very much to bring awareness that this capability exists make sure that all the partners do good work are put in front of clients as quickly as we possibly can so that more and more clients understand that this is a, a way of going, uh, going about optimizing their mix. And also the, to go back to your initial point, Jordan, which is in a world where we have fewer and fewer signals to work with as, as an industry across most of the marketing platforms, not only metas, optimizing your creative becomes really strategic and becomes a, a key competitive advantage for marketers it's always been, but I would say in the current mix of the keyword of the mix, like this is an ingredient that becomes way more important, in my, my perspective. So we're trying to spread the word that this is a big deal, whether you, advant you advertise on Meta, but also elsewhere. Yeah, Julian, I think you, you absolutely said it. Media improvements have almost become commoditized. You're doing a really good job. And you look at all the tools and technology that Meta has available for advertisers to improve, improve getting them to the right audience, improve getting their ads in front of the right people for the, the right groups. All of that is so advanced now that the next lever for them to pull and the best lever for them to pull is around creative design. So I think it would be amiss not to just touch upon the topic of the shifts in the industry at the moment that you brought up julian there and really you know with the and and because i think it fits in well with the discussion we've been having about how you can use creative intelligence to help you know personalize ads better and do more things at scale but how do you see that working in an in the world where the the amount of signal is less and the amount you can know about how to personalize a piece of creative becomes harder to establish is creative personalization and creative insights still possible in a privacy first world and if so like how would that work in a sense and how does a platform like you know creative insights tool or creative ai 
function in, in, in the new world that is ahead of us. From where we sit, users are willing to tell you more about their taste, their interests, by the way they interact with your ads. As they do that, they, they share information with all of us. It's oftentimes more anonymized information, and it's our job to make sense of less information and information that's most safeguarded and, and very much private. And, and typically, the way they interact with creatives is a great source of information of how they feel, what, they, what they're in the mood, what, what they're in the mood for, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty fundamental. Judy, what, what's, what's your sense on that? I think you, to what you said, absolutely. And I would add to that as well. When it comes to personalization and kind of this privacy first world, it becomes even more important, two things. First, that organizations are taking advantage of first party data. And looking for opportunities to either, you know, access first party data or collect first party data and zero party data, but also that they look for other ways to build the engagement and relevance for their audiences, even in the absence of that kind of creepy personalization. People don't want things following them around the internet. So it's about personalizing without being creepy or stalkerish. And when we talk to brands, one of the things that we hear from them a lot is that they need to catch attention. They need to connect with an audience given that limited amount of data. So if you look at things, for example, like incorporating contextual or live data, that's a really simple and effective way to create messages for an audience that speak to them personally. If I see an ad that says London on it, I'm going to look because I live in London. Or if I see an ad that tells me the weather today, now it's got relevance and value. Those messages are valuable. And then the creative intelligence plays into that to help us figure out how best do we present that in a way that captures their attention and engages them in the form of a story. Julian has said this multiple times about stories, and I can't stress enough how true that is. We are, by nature, we want to hear the story. And so all of these pieces are like ingredients in a recipe, and they come together to tell the most compelling, most engaging stories that our audiences will be anxious and eager to see and to interact with. So we're coming up to the end of our our time together today, but I do want to ask you both two final questions to, to leave our audience with. Uh, and Julia, I'd love to start with you and you know, go to you, Julian, afterwards. And I'd love for you to first tell me a bit about what makes you most excited about the future of Creative Insights, but also tell us what would be one thing that for somebody who hasn't experienced or hasn't thought about using or thought about creative in this way before, what would be the one thing you would want them to go away and do after hearing our conversation today? So Julie, I'd love your thoughts first. I think for me, when it comes to creative intelligence and what's the big gift that it's giving, it's the first time that brands have really truly been able to get under the hood of their creatives and that that they've just been notoriously difficult to understand before now. There's a lot of guessing and now they can really understand their creatives like they never have before. And that is empowering and exciting and frankly, a benefit to everybody. I know I, as somebody who loves to to surf the internet and loves social media and all of that, like I want to see better ads. I don't like to see ugly ads. Nobody does. So I'm excited about what that means. Uh, In terms of next steps, what should you do? 
first and foremost, of course, come and check out Spireable because there's a lot of great information on our website about creative intelligence, how it functions and what it can do. But I think the other side of it is to really start to look at your ads as more than just creative. It's the combination of data and creative and all the pieces together. Look at them through a new lens. Each frame of that content is an opportunity to connect with your audience if you do it well. So what are the tools that could help you to do it? That's creative intelligence. Simply put, I would say, I would really encourage people to try it out. Don't, you know, tr- uh, trust that very word. Just try it out. Put your hands on a piece of software that does this. Give a shot. Give, give it a try. That's uh, variable. But and others, give it a go. Give it a run. And understand, and you'll understand what we're talking about, about getting under the hood of what's going on with brand. The second point I would say is really to encourage people to challenge their belief that sort of AI is the enemy of creativity, which you hear too often, which it could not be further from the truth in my perspective. It's exactly the opposite here. Creative people's job is to tell a story, invent, invent them, design them, draw them. And machine's job is to figure out how to very rapidly get them in front of the right person in a way that's economical, which removed a lot of the waste from the system, the waste of attention, the waste of money, the waste of creative time, so that people do their best work in the most optimal way uh, for the audience, for themselves, for their employers, and for the advertisers. And I think the more and the way to solve that sort of debate, that's probably the way I would use it, is by giving it a shot. Because once you do, I don't think you come back from it and you realize it's a better way of working. It's a more efficient way of working. And you start getting to a cycle where, as Julia was saying, people see better ads that are better informed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so they click better on them, they have better performance. And then budgets you know, grow because performance is there, et cetera, et cetera. The client wins, the partner wins, and, and I would argue Meta wins if, if everyone wins as well. So really give it a shot. It's probably the, the, the simple advice I would give to everyone and be ready to challenge your own beliefs. No, and I want, to th- I want to thank you both for sharing your thoughts and being involved in today's discussion. I personally found it fascinating as I hadn't realized or was aware that there were things out there that could really take that guesswork out of creative. Dog fooding and running my own ads at times, it does very much feel like guesswork. So it's been fascinating to hear about how this combination of AI and performance analysis reduces the guesswork, but doesn't reduce human creativity. And I think that's a very powerful message that really isn't, is only just coming to the forefront and only is beginning to understand. And as things shift in the industry is going to become a more important lever for how brands can still be effective in the new world that we're about to embark on. So I want to close there and and thank you both for joining. Julian, Julie, thank you both for the conversation and discussion today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. To learn more and see all the resources mentioned in today's episode, head over to businessinnovationpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review.